Well, it is a good evening, and I am very thankful for each and every one of you that have carved out and have made time for, for God and for His things here at this uh, beautiful evening that we've been given. I'm so thankful that I'm, I'm here and not stuck in the mud. <laughs> Most people know the story behind that already, so I won't belabor it any further. You can be opening up your Bibles to Daniel chapter 3. We're going to be reading from there in just a minute. And we'll be reading together from Daniel chapter 3 and verse 1 in just a minute. Most of y'all know I went to school at Eastern Kentucky University, and I'm out of that place now, but I'm really definitely grateful for the time that I spent there. They, they gave me a lot of stuff, mostly homework, but also really good sermon illustrations. The institution goes by many names, EKU, the Big E, but the, the, the one I want to highlight right now is the Campus Beautiful. You know, It really was a beautiful campus. They had all different types of architecture there, different pieces of art, different types of Nature, from the squirrels to the huge trees that are reaching up to the skies. I mean, I remember one time I had a conversation with one of my buddies, and he's kind of a weird guy anyway, but he he pointed out that he'd seen 20-something different kind of red bricks today, and and it was neat that he was he was paying attention to those kind of things. And, and walking to class every day on that campus, it, it really wasn't too bad, because I'd do the same kind of thing. I'd be looking around and, and would, would see all the different beautiful aspects of campus, and, and it'd be entertainment enough a lot of times, sometimes. Uh, sometimes, though, you look around and you'd wonder, some of these people might have been here for, for four years or longer and, and never known that the campus was beautiful. They might not even known what the campus looked like. And, and why is that? Because every day they're walking around like this. With their phone in their hand. With their head down. Totally immersed. Not a care in the world. Focused on the pretty lights. Bowing down to a talking, glowing brick. To arguably the biggest idol in this world, the phone. So this is a modern idol, one to which I can readily admit I've not been entirely immune. But idolatry has always been a problem, even before these things came along. Let's look at this ancient example of idolatry from Daniel chapter 3. King Nebuchadnezzar, Daniel 3 verse 1, King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits, and its breadth 6 cubits. He set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then King Nebuchadnezzar sent together the satraps, the prefects, and the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the justices, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then the satraps, the prefects, the governors, the counselors, treasurers, justices, magistrates, and all the officials of the province gathered for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they stood before the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And the herald proclaimed aloud, You are commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, you were to fall down and worship the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, as soon as all the peoples heard the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, all the peoples, nations, and languages fell down and worshipped the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Now, most of us kind of know how the story goes. And we've seen countless examples of idolatry like this, and we recognize that as bad. When, when the image comes up, everybody puts their heads down. Everyone gives honor and reverence to this big, beautiful thing and the awesome music played by Nebuchadnezzar's band. A giant golden idol. Now this, this is the stereotypical idea of idolatry that we have. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Daniel didn't bow to that idol, though. 
Because they did. They recognized the problem with the idol in question. Carry on now. In the passage, there are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, pay no attention to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image you have set up. Then verse 13, Nebuchadnezzar in furious rage commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now if you are ready when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, to fall down and worship the image that I have made, well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? Now as the people of God, these young men knew an idol when they saw it. Truth is, anything made with human hands could be made into an idol. I ask you this, what's the difference between a giant statue and a giant statue that serves as an idol? Well, that's up to the individual. That's up to your perspective and your heart when you look at the thing. That's what determines whether or not it's an idol. So, so, so let me ask this for the purpose of this lesson. Are you an idolater? What's your heart toward your cell phone? If the Lord came down to earth and dropped another commandment that thou shalt not touch a cell phone, could you do it? Could you even do it for a week? It'd be tough. Our phones can do a lot of awesome things, and they aren't inherently bad in and of themselves. God gave us technology for our benefit. I guarantee you, though, God can do more for you than your cell phone can in the long term. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you three things that your phone can do that the Word can do way, way better. While you'll be benefited far more from opening your Bible than one of the various apps on your smartphone, I mean, unless it's a Bible app, then you're good. For this lesson, this is a disclaimer. If you see somebody next to you and they're over there on, your, on their cell phone, I want to go ahead and give you the go-ahead to chuck that thing out the window. And if you're on your phone during this lesson, I'm going to give you the go-ahead to just go ahead and come forward during the invitation song. Jokes aside, things your Bible does way better than your phone. The first thing you might use your phone for in the morning is an alarm. Wakes you up and lets you know it's time to go. I have several on every night when I go to bed. Man, I need like five or six to wake me up. I put them all 8.30, 8.31, 8.32, 8.33, 8.34, and then finally... I'll wake up. Probably got a calendar up there too. Not to mention the constant influx of notifications every five seconds. Man, your phone keeps you alert. And it keeps you informed. It's true. But God does it better. His Word does it better. God's Word keeps us alert and it keeps us informed. Now look in Acts chapter 17 and verse 21. Turn with me over there. Acts chapter 17 and verse 21. Paul and some other brethren, they traveled to Athens to preach the gospel. Among some of the folks, there were certain philosophers who were well, they were always wanting to be on the up and up. 17 verse 21. Now all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there would spend their time in nothing except telling or hearing something new. I ask you this. Have times really changed that much? I think most of us can say that sometimes we can be like these Athenians. I'm convinced that these Athenians, if they had smartphones, would just be sitting there in the Areopagus sharing memes with one another and scrolling down their feed all day until the end of their days. Our phones are full of notifications and alerts all the time. They're always trying to make us aware of something new. Ding, 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 some new development. Or if you've got it on vibrate, it goes bzz, bzz, bzz. We're used to it. 
But I think if we dropped one back in the early 1900s, they'd have tossed it in the river, if not for thinking it was witchcraft or just how annoying the thing would have been to them. Man, you got a message. You got a call. You're invited. You got a thing tomorrow. This good thing happened in the news. This bad thing happened in the news. Don't forget to bathe. And so and so just posted another picture of their dog. Sometimes I think all this stimulation in our hands draw our eyes and our ears away from the world around us. Even though these things are supposed to keep us on our toes, it seems more to me like sometimes they make us into zombies. They draw our focus away from needful physical obligations as well as spiritual things. From our friends, from our family, from the world around us. What if we spend as much time praying, studying our Bibles, spending time with our brethren as we do scrolling through Facebook? I fear for a world that is so plugged into the wall that they forget to be plugged into their soul. I don't want to live in that kind of world. And I don't want to be that kind of person. Do you? Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1 tells us that we once were that kind of person. We were once in a state where we were totally unalert and totally unnotified. Ephesians 2 verse 1, dead in trespasses and sins. Now when your phone's dead, you don't receive any notification. You don't receive any alert. Your alarms will not go off. Your Bible, on the other hand, won't ever die of battery loss either. But for some folks, their Bible might as well be dead. Man, it's a shame. It's a shame when you go to somebody's house and you see sitting next to, maybe maybe on a coffee table or something, sitting next to the recliner, there's a Bible there, and you run your finger over that thing and there's just a trail of dust. Just sitting there like decoration, like decorum. It doesn't have a battery life, but the thing might as well be dead, might as well be off. When your Bible's dusty... You won't be the kind of person that's alert and the kind of person that's informed. You won't be the kind of person that sees sin in this world for what it is. And you won't be alert enough to be the kind of person who could recognize Christ, even if you were staring Him right in the face. You'd be a zombie. And the devil's the one who tempts us to sin and leads us astray into that kind of lifestyle and that kind of mindset. Humans are physical beings, but we also have a spirit. In order for us to make sense of this world, we have to be able to understand the spiritual elements of life. In John chapter 8 and verse 12, Jesus tells us, John chapter 8 verse 12, He tells us, I am the light. Now Satan wants to keep us in the dark. And we all know the joy of seeing our phone light up with some new notification or information. Well, Jesus said, I am the light. And He's going to light up your light, life so much more than your phone ever could. And the truth is that that there is a sense where we do need to be notified. And we do need to be hit with a reminder, just like the ones our phones give us every day, to let us know whenever we get a message or a call. Well, I'm here to notify you and to let you know that God has a message for us to hear. It's in the Word. Luke chapter 10, verse 38. God's Word, while your phone might give you plenty of messages, plenty of calls, keep you in touch that way, our Bibles give, gives us a message that's far more important than any of those. Now, Luke chapter 10, start in verse 38 here in a minute. But I've heard a lot of people say this. I've thought this too. Man, I wish God could just sit down with me and just talk with me. And just tell me and break everything down. Well, we see an example of someone who was so concerned with everything that was going on around her, she didn't take the time to sit and talk with Jesus. If only she realized that God had done that very thing that a lot of us wish that He would do. And He'd sit down right there in, their, in her living room. Luke 10, verse 38. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed her into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. 
But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Jesus points this out to Martha. Hey, you need to slow down. In this fast-paced world where we are at everyone's beck and call, it feels like we've got to tend to every little thing. I understand. In one sense, it's true. We want to answer all the messages that we get, especially if somebody needs help. But if it's a funny meme or, or just a, hey, what's up, what are you doing? Do we think it can wait for just a half hour or so for us to open up the Bible and read the messages that God has for us? Now, Jesus may not be in our living room like at Martha's, but everything we'll ever need to hear from him is right here in the word. Second Timothy chapter three, verse 16 tells us that, that the Bible's message, message equips us for every good work. You all know that passage. The message that God gives us is that Romans 6, 23, that we've all sinned and earned death, but that God will give us mercy if we have faith, if we hear, and if we respond to His call. That faith that we have comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. That's Romans ten seventeen. See all the messages that God has for us so important? Not only do we have the messages, not only do we have the message that God gives us, which, face it, a message is, it's pretty easy to leave sitting there once, once you read it. You don't even have to respond right away. But God's given us a call, too. He's not just giving us information. He's calling us. You know, once you get on the phone and you get in a call with somebody, it's a lot more commitment. You can't just hang up on someone when you've entered into a call with them. That's rude. So so we don't feel like we can just randomly just, just pick up the phone and then just go silent like with a text message. No, we, we feel like we need to respond, and that's urgent. Well, God's calling us. He's calling us to be better and to do better. And it's time to pick up the phone. 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. Read with me there in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3 about what's God calling us for. He's calling us to be redeemed. 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. His divine power is granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence by which He has granted to us His precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers... Be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. So God's not just giving us a message just for our information. Just so that we can be studious. No, He wants for us to live in a certain manner. He wants us to do this for our benefit, not for His own. He doesn't need anything from us. He's God. But He wants men and women to be saved. And that's what He's calling us for. That means that we have to want that too and live like we want it. But let me ask you this then, brethren. What do you want? Do you want just a little fun and entertainment now? you want to keep scrolling down the feed? Or do you want an eternity of bliss? If the Lord came down right now and uttered a new decree outlawing cell phones, would you be able to heed His command? How painful might that be? I'm going to encourage you all to think honestly about this, and I'm preaching just as much to myself here as anybody else. Could you give that thing up for heaven? I'm not saying you have to throw the thing over a hill, but if it's something you feel like you couldn't live without... Isn't that literally what an idol is? Yes, our phones make us feel good and safe and secure, but the Word just does it better. The Word brings us joy, peace, and bliss. 
Turn with me in Exodus 32. And I think I can prescribe the, the, the problem with, with idolatry here. And, and I mean idolatry in the sense of, of phone worship. Let's look at another famous Old Testament example of, of idolatry in Exodus 32 with that golden calf. Exodus 32 here in verse 1. When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered themselves together to Aaron and said to him, Up, make us gods who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. So Aaron said to them, Take off the rings of gold that are in the ears of your wives, your sons and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people took off the rings of gold that were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool and made a golden calf. And they said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. And they rose up early the next day and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Now, if you know what the Bible means when it says rose up to play, you know that that's not nice kind of play. Verse 7, And the Lord said to Moses, Go down for your people whom you brought up out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They've turned aside quickly out of the way that I commanded them. They have made for themselves a golden calf, and have worshipped it and sacrificed to it and said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, I've seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Now therefore let me alone that my wrath may burn hot against them and I may consume them in order that I may make a great nation of you. That phrase, stiff-necked people, might apply to us even more than it does them when it comes to our cell phones. Literally, there's plenty of research saying that we're taking physiological damage for being hunched over all day at our cell phones. I mean, I, I can just about crack my neck right now in either direction from, from how often I, I'm hunched over looking at the thing. What I really want to do, though, is I really want to draw attention to these words they had made for themselves in verse 8. They have made for themselves. That's, that, that's what's really appealing about the golden calf. It's easy to understand. Why? Because humans fashioned it. Beautiful as it might have been, it had limits. Those limits could be prescribed by humans. They could make up anything they wanted about the calf and fashion a whole myth about the golden calf and how it split the Red Sea if they wanted to. In fact, that's what people have done all through history with idols and pagan gods all the time. It's comfortable. It's familiar. It's within our grasp. It's man-made. Phones are the same thing. Man-made. Right in the palm of our hands. You can control everything about it. The volume, the brightness, the media you observe. You can even control the people that can and can't contact you on the thing. In some ways, the thing's no different than an adult pacifier. It makes us comfortable because it's something that we can latch on to and something that we can control and we think that it gives us joy and it gives us peace and it gives us bliss and we give so much attention and so much care to it. But how does that stack up with the care that we give to God? who's so much greater. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 28. It's easy and it's comfortable for us to place our faith in these things that we can understand easily. And it's hard to, to, get, to give faith and to give our lives and to, to strive to serve a God that sometimes we can't see. Sometimes that can be hard. But He's so much greater than these physical things. He's spiritual. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 28. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. What is a God capable of creating all this able to do for all of us? I'll tell you the answer. Whatever He wants. And He's promised that if we put Him first, 
will not want for anything. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you. That's Matthew chapter 6, verse 34. God's promised heaven for the faithful. He's promised in Revelation chapter 21, verse 4, to wipe away every tear. He'll wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. Do you think your phone's going to bring you joy? It's going to bring you peace and it's going to bring you bliss? Your, your phone might make you happy, but it won't give you biblical joy. It won't give you biblical peace. And it won't give you biblical bliss. So the next time you feel maybe a little bored, maybe a little restless, maybe sad, maybe angry, maybe hurt, how about instead of reaching for the cell phone, you just reach for your Bible. At least just once a day. Just make a little bit of time. That's my admonition, plain and simple. We can go from there. and We can grow from there. But let's not let a six-inch cell phone be the barrier between us and the Lord. Heaven forbid on the day of judgment that the trumpet sounds and we got our headphones in and we're not able to hear it. And then the angel taps on your shoulder. Maybe God gives you a little bit of grace for not hearing the trumpet. And the angels, they tap your shoulder, but you, you tell them, don't bother me. Don't bother me. I've got some text to answer. And I've got to... I gotta look at the, I gotta look at the stocks or whatever it is people do. And then, and then, and then finally they, they shake you a little bit and you look up and you see the angel and they, uh, you start going with them. They start pulling you up to heaven, but you drop your iPhone or you drop your Samsung and you scramble to knock yourself out of the hands of the angels and you hit the floor and they're gone. And you're screaming, wait, wait, can I just take my iPhone up there? It's gonna be too late. Let's make a determination. That our first priority isn't going to be to be notified, to be plugged in, or to be entertained. But to make it to heaven. I want to go. Do you? You're getting a call. Will you answer? Or will you decline? Have you obeyed the gospel? Have you given your life to Christ? Have you been baptized for the forgiveness of your sins? Now's the time for you to come forward as we stand and as we sing.